The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Now more than ever, we are committed to raising up the greatest generation of disciples that this world has ever seen. Invest in the future of the faith at awana.org slash more than ever. This is the Resilient Disciples podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ross Cochran, and I'm glad you're here. Today, I want to share with you a recent conversation I had with my friend, Samuel Porsche. Samuel is the director of the Child Discipleship Network for the South Side of Chicago for Awana. I'm really excited about Samuel's ministry. You're going to hear it in this episode. His entire job is all about child discipleship. Not only that, the community he's serving doesn't get the kind of attention it should. And personally, I was really grateful to have the opportunity to help get the word out about what God is up to on the south side of Chicago. Samuel and I talked about how we can build unity between churches, both locally and around the globe. We also talk about what kids from inner city communities actually need. Spoiler alert, they need people like you. But a majority of this conversation focuses on what child discipleship actually looks like on the south side of Chicago. No matter what your community looks like, I think hearing from Samuel is going to help inspire you to continue on the mission that God has given you. So here is Samuel sharing about why he's so passionate about reaching kids with the gospel. And thank you for listening to the Resilient Disciples podcast. One of the things about this assignment that really, really gets me excited is about the struggles of young people and the identity issues that come alongside that, particularly in the inner cities where there's fatherlessness, um, where there's gang activity, where there's poverty. These are things that really, really start to shape the trajectory of lives in the inner city. And when I was young growing up in the inner cities of Northern New Jersey, right outside of New York City, um, we didn't have many amusement parks around. and so. We one, one of the highlights of the summer was when um, the neighborhood carnival would come into town for four to five days. My friends and I would get so excited. We would plan what we were gonna wear, what ride we would go on first. But one of the coolest and most popular attractions was the House of Mirrors. And we would walk through the maze and laugh at the distorted images, short, stubby, tall, and lanky. And I looked at those various versions of myself and I tried to decide which one I liked best. But deep down inside, um, in a place no one knew existed, I longed for another version of me. And I did not like the one I knew best. My identity was stemmed from my father passing away when I was 12 years old. So there was an ab abandonment issues, rejection. I had already been exposed to racism. And I realized now as a grown man being saved that there are many children all around the world growing up with this identity issue that they, that they don't belong. And will they be accepted? And they have what I would say is this distorted view of who they really are. They look into the mirror and they see words that don't match the truth about who God created them to be. Where they should see value, they see worthlessness. Where they should see intelligence, they see the word stupid. Where they, see, where they should see success, they see the word failure. And so I have a passion for that because I walked in those same shoes. I went through some of those same identity issues. And many of our children and youth 
throughout America, particularly in the inner cities, not exclusively, but particularly because of the mounting obstacles against them, live in a house of mirrors, believing distorted interpretations of who they are. And the devil, he polishes that mirror of deception daily. That's so good, man. I couldn't agree more. And you coming into an area uh, that needs the investment, but also that hasn't necessarily experienced that investment before. So it is a marathon, yeah. not a sprint. But I'm really encouraged that an organization like Awana has decided to make this level of investment in, in an area that I think Awana would be the first to admit hasn't always been a priority. You know, I think Awana would be the first to admit that the, the ministry of Awana, particularly domestically, has not mm-hmm. always reflected its heart values um, in the direction it wanted to go uh, in reflecting the diversity of God's kingdom. How do you begin to invest in the relationships with kids when you are so new and you are almost like an outsider, right? Like, how do you begin to establish that credibility with a child? Because I think a pastor would be like, great, someone's here, someone's ready to help. But what does that look like for you? Even if it's not something that's been a lived out experience for you, what does that look like for you to begin to show a child directly that, that you care about them, that you are invested in their lives, that you can stand in? Uh, the gap for them in ways that they may not have experienced um, beforehand in their own network of support. It's very, very true about this being a marathon, very true about this um, credibility. Um, There are so many times that there have been ministries that come into the inner cities. I've saw it when I was young and they do drive-by ministry. They come in and they're gone and there's no relationship established. And we know as believers that relationship is the foundation of our faith. And so we must live that out. And I believe the separation and the siloism has hurt us in that aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I would say. As far as um, the credibility and coming in, yeah, you're absolutely right. I do have to build credibility. Um, Yeah, I'm from the inner city, but I'm not from the inner city of Chicago, (laughs) from the inner (laughs) city of northern New Jersey. So there's a difference, but then there's also a lot of similarities, um, you know, the the experiences and the pain. Um, One of the stories I could tell you, I went to um, a youth night. Um, and they were um, had some basketball games and um, very well set up, social distance, mask wearing, but still something for the kids to engage in and have fun. And it was really cool because there was one kid that just didn't get a chance to play. Um, and this speaks to the relationship building and making a difference. He didn't get a chance to play. So he was really upset. He was hurt. We pulled him aside. We talked to him. Um, it was very interesting because he was so hurt and he kept using the word, but you lied to me. So that means he's been let down several mm-hmm. times in his life. If you don't keep your word, it's a lie to him. He has no room or no margin for any error. That's yeah. how deep it hurts. The pastor knows his grandmother said, hey, your grandmother wouldn't like how you're acting. He was like, yeah, she wouldn't, but she doesn't care either. I don't have anybody that cares. And it was and it was it was one of those heartbreaking moments. And so after we spoke to him, he was still standing on the side and I just walked over to him and um, he has a powerful name. I won't say his name. And I explained to him what his name meant Mm. so that he could see himself differently. Yeah. Um, His identity needed to be woken up. And I said, this is what your name means. And you have the power to overcome today. Yeah, You hold that power. I said, and he had already vocalized that he was never coming back. But I knew how important this outlet he was for him. And I said, come back. If you don't come back, you just gave away your power, your authority. I said, come back. 
I said, sometimes things don't go the way they're supposed to in life, but how you overcome it is you return and you continue to move forward and you continue to press forward. It was a very brief conversation. While I'm sitting on my couch two nights ago and I get a video sent mm. to me, I'm just getting these, these uh, text messages. I open one up and there's a video playing of this young man that I told to come back. And he said, thank you, Pastor Sam, I'm back because of you. Yeah. It was just so powerful. Now we're talking one child, but man, man, the power of a loving adult. Five minutes was our conversation. Yep. But we talked about identity, who he really was. He wasn't his circumstance. He wasn't his experience. He wasn't his letdowns. He wasn't the rejection or the abandonment. He was who his name was. Mm -hmm. And his name is a powerful name. And I explained, you're an overcomer, man. Yeah. Overcome tonight and come back. So I anyway, it, it's just a a small testimony of the power of God and loving and, and caring on children, what can happen. You're getting invested in these kids' lives. You are uh, showing up, continuing to show up and continuing to change people's perceptions. And not only what a want is, but what it means to just have someone in their corner like you did with that young man. I think about the experience my own kids have, right? And where my own kids are growing up in through sheer uh, birth lottery, right? Are, are born into a family that has supportive grandparents, supportive extended family, parents right. who uh, were born into circumstances themselves where we have, you know, my wife and I were born with a tremendous amount of privileges that mm -hmm. we get to use uh, to invest in the life of our child. And mm -hmm. that, you know, the young man that you're talking to, the kids that were part of that community, the pastors who were part of that community, even if they weren't born with those same privileges, their needs are still the same. And discipleship still looks the same for them. You know, uh, you spend five minutes with my kid, my kid's going to be calling you Pastor Sam too, right? Um, <laughs> you know, you're coming in as this sort of outsider with this lived experience. How have you begun to see the ways that um, the church is, has let people down, has been, how the brokenness of being a part of that society, you know, what does that look like for, uh, to, for you to see those gaps that the church itself has created? 2020 has been um, a year of disruption mm. um, from the pandemic to uh, uh, the movement of demonstrations for racial justice. U.S. residents throughout the country are living in a state of uncertainty. And this uncertainty also includes our children. Yeah. So the landscape of the church is drastically changing and the competition for the hearts of our children is steadily increasing. So what we got to ask in the church is, are we doing enough for our children? Are we modeling kingdom discipleship and are we recognizing barriers and obstacles? Um, and so I, I believe that there are a lot of components here because when we talk about the church, we, we, we got to talk about unity. We have to talk about um, why haven't we solved some of the racial divide in our country? Um, because, and the reason I, and the reason I want to go there is because when you talk about areas of poverty, when you talk about areas of um, where we know that people are struggling, um, even the church is struggling in that area. In the body of Christ, when you have the resources and the ability to be a blessing or to help support that community, and we are all Christians and we are the body of Christ, then we must do it. Yeah. Um, we must do that. So. So to, to the gaps, I would say, is putting culture before Christ. There you go. I would yeah. say that's one of the biggest gaps 
putting culture before Christ, putting white before Christ or black before Christ or whatever nationality it is or whatever your experiences are before we do what we are, we're supposed to do as believers. Um, so we have to make sure that diversity in the church is who and what we're about. Um, that closes the gap. We must make sure that we experience life with people that are different. That closes the gap. We must create a cultural um, um, diverse environment. That closes the gap. We, we must, in the workplace, put people of color in leadership positions so people in the room making the decisions can have a full scope of experiences that are necessary to make informed and clear, fair decisions. We yep. must, that closes the gap. So I believe the church, these are some of the gaps that are in because we are identifying with our experiences, what the media is telling us about Chicago and what we are what we have experienced possibly, what we've gone through in our life. We've bought into so many things, but how about buying into Jesus Christ? He said, every child everywhere, he said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. How about buying into who we say we are as Christians and we must do our part. So I believe that gap is there because um, we lean on our own understanding. I think about the craziness of this time, like you talked about, when I think about uh, the coronavirus and the election and just in general, what it means to be a kid today in 2020, Mm -hmm. it's real hard. It's real hard and it's real complicated. And yeah. it is that much more important then for us to invest in communities that don't have the same resources because that darkness that you're feeling right now, the person who's listening to this, it is magnified when you don't have the privileges and comforts um, that this world is going to temporarily provide you. We are still on this side of the, of the second coming, right? So the church is still God's plan A. And that is why an organization like Awana is so unique because you are able to come alongside and not only be there for the life of a child like you shared, but be there for the pastor. Be there to support and realign their priorities that child establishment matters because our kids are watching, man. Like our kids are watching how we're reacting to this. Our kids are watching how we are processing everything from COVID to the election and everything in between. And we yes, have to make sure that adults are well-equipped to lead their kids through this process. And by you being there for this community, you are helping prop this community up. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about one of my favorite organizations that cares about kids. For nearly 50 years, MOPS, that's Mothers of Preschoolers, has gathered and supported moms. My wife has been involved in MOPS, and they believe in the simple but radical idea that remarkable things happen when moms come together. MOPS has practical tools and resources to help all moms, not just moms of little kids, with all of their needs. MOPS partners with churches and organizations from around the globe to equip and encourage moms in more than 68 countries. This global pandemic has created an opportunity to gather moms everywhere, and that's why MOPS has started Mama Meetups. Mama Meetups are online communities of 8 to 12 moms who gather twice a month to share their lives and parenting journeys. You can find groups for moms of kids with special needs, working moms, blended families, teachers, first-time moms, and so much more. Mama meetups are the place to be, and Mops is excited to help moms connect all over the world in this new way. You can join a Mama meetup, and you can reclaim your joy, strength, and courage like never before. 
Mops is calling it a comeback, and you can visit mops.org to learn more. What would you, I'm going to ask a question that I admit is impossible to answer, but it's something that I feel like is, needs to somewhat be said plainly. You know, you were talking about racial reconciliation. I, I often feel like people get presented with a false choice, which is to invest in some international community in some country that you don't, you probably can't spell because Americans are terrible at geography, right? And the, that is where your dollars can go. That is mission work, right? And then what happens is that winds up sacrificing areas right at home that might need that similar level of investment. Because there's a lot of people who listen to this who are in, you know, who are in the Chicagoland area who may not know that someone who has the same city address, you know, if they were going to write a, uh, write a letter back when we wrote letters, right? The third line would also say Chicago, just like you. And yet their lived experience is entirely different. Right. What is your, and I admit it's a false choice to look at it, you know, investing at home versus investing abroad. But what is your case for investing in a neighborhood next door, a church that doesn't feel inclusive, a church that has prioritized uh, culture over Christ? How do churches begin to break this? Like, what do those first steps kind of look like, in your opinion? Um, yeah, those first steps, in my opinion, look like, um, I have this saying, <laughs> we tell my family this, and I've used this very, um, Jerusalem is your home address. Nice. Um, and then Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And a lot of times, um, we go straight to the uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah. We want to spend our dollars out there. Um, it's easier that's one of the things, maybe someone may not be aware of that, but it's easy. Write a check, send it off. I've done my part. But Jerusalem is our home address, um, and that's where we start. So neighborhoods that are close in proximity to you that you know are struggling, pour into those. Um, unity in the body of Christ means working together toward a common goal. Unity is not achieved through seminars, but rather through service together. So I would say that um, for any church that's listening that wants to start somewhere, start in the closest area that you know that you can help that's in close proximity to you. Start there. Start to impact your community that is closer to you, and it's going to continue to grow outward from there because there are children right here in the, in the cities and in neighboring communities that need their identity shaped. They need um, someone. They need a caring, loving adult. They need... Um, to be discipled. Yeah, because I, and you know, to be really, to really uh, hammer home the point, right? Like, you know, Tom Shilton, right? Who's invested yes. in a lot of our international yes. efforts, right? He's doing exactly what you're doing, right? He, he is yes. engaging intimately in relationships. His people just happen to be in Norway and your right. people happen to be closer, right. closer to you, right? Like that to me, I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. Oh, what no, I'm trying I'm not, to express is that. Thank yeah. you, Willis, for saying it, because that's not what my attention is either, but they equally need to have the same amount of um, attention. So I'm going to ask you to speak for tens of thousands of people, which is entirely unfair. How is the South Side doing because of COVID? How are churches dealing with the realities of this pandemic? Um, to, for the churches I've been in contact with, which um, I'm speaking for a small portion. There are so many churches in the South Side. Um, I'm speaking for a small portion, so I, I would want to say that. It'd be for, unfair for you to speak to for any of them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they are struggling. Yeah. Um, they're struggling. Um, some of them are barely keeping their doors open. 
Um, they don't know what's next, what tomorrow holds. Um, they're hopeful, but at the same time, they're just trying to engage with their um, congregation on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the, the capacity to disciple for some of them is really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, there is already a, a hardship when it comes to volunteers so that's extremely hard, even though a lot of things are moving to a virtual um, community, it's still difficult. Um, there are some congregations where the age is a problem, so they don't know how to use the uh, Zoom or other virtual um, ways of you know, coming together. So there's just a lot of challenges right now. Then on top of that, we have the social unrest. So there is a lot, a lot of emotions going through the South Side right now. And probably not, it's not probably, not just the South Side, a lot of the inner cities, um, a lot of the nation in, on a whole. So it's been very, it's, been, it's difficult. It's very challenging, but yeah. um, it's, still move, it's still moving. And that's the beauty of it. It's still moving. And I think we're on the other side of the pandemic where it's like, okay, we're starting to see the, we're getting used to this new normal. So we're starting to see some hope here and what we can do and how we can um, be flexible and um, implement uh, whatever program it's gonna be to start discipling these children. Totally. So, well, and that yeah, to but, me is why it's so important. Like, yeah. you know, I wanna level set, right? The, the like, yes, COVID has impacted the South Side. That's a, probably a pretty obvious statement. But what I hope happens for churches everywhere, but particularly in the inner cities, is yeah. that you were able to raise up people like what you're doing, where you invested five minutes in a kid and he was like, Pastor Sam, I'm here, right? I'm not going anywhere. I'm yeah. back. And I yeah. love that. And I think we have often, especially in the world of children's ministry, we have overcomplicated the mission. We have made it about a program. We have made it about a curriculum rather than being, you know, especially in a community like in, in like the South Side, where if you show up, week in, week out, if you were there, if you show them that you care, yeah. God is going to do the work because you might be the first adult in their life to ever do that for them. So what do you think the South side can look like after the coronavirus? Um, I think the South side can look like a vibrant, healthy community moving forward and being the miracle that people need to desperately see in other parts of the nation. Um, I think the coronavirus, this pandemic has, has, God always has a way of establishing who he is in the midst of uh, so-called suffering and pain in a circumstance that we deem to not be um, good. And so God is reestablishing the word relationships yeah. in, in, in homes. People have been shut in where they have had to reestablish marriages, relationships with their children. We have had to reestablish our relationships in the church as well. And I, and I believe this personal relationship with Jesus, this union, I like to call it a union, remains an important part of communicating the core of Christianity to our children and to our youth. So I'm hoping that after this pandemic, that relationships will have been strengthened. They have, and the reason I like to use the word union, kids have numerous personal relationships, but many of those relationships are not healthy, are not yeah. particularly healthy. Adolescents may have um, 
contentious or broken relationships with their parents or siblings, betrayal, competitiveness, comparisons might mark their relationships. And perhaps relationships with teachers and coaches involve pressure, criticism. So there's a number of things. Then they have the technology and social media, um, the postmodern kids. They may have an underdeveloped paradigm for personal relationships. The majority of their communication occurs in electronic form of, of texting and Snapchat. So when they hear personal relationship, uh, what they perceive is actually rather impersonal sometimes. So, mm. but, but when we start saying a union, this union, I'm hoping that we reestablish a union with Christ from this pandemic and that children will start to see um, the power of the church, that people will be, start to see Christ dwelling in their hearts. I've, I've talked to several families that are starting to eat dinner around the table again and bringing back that core value um, of establishing family, which is what God is all about. And from that, this new union, this new reestablished relationship is going to birth out of this pandemic. And I believe the church is going to be stronger than it has ever been before. And that we're going to start taking back territory, breaking chains, breaking strongholds and have the breakthrough that we so desperately have been trying to get because the pandemic was a way of reestablishing God and reestablishing his identity more than ours. Amen, man. It's so encouraging to see the ways that God is still on the move. And that's what I hope people get from this too, is that, you know, even if God feels like he's not in the move in your community, like God is still on the move and he's much bigger than uh, you are giving him credit for right now. I just want to say to, to the audience, you may be the one, you may be the right person at the right time that says the right thing that introduces that young child to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the power to change the trajectory and rewrite their story, fill in the identity gaps and become their firm foundation. You may be the one that opens their hearts to a lifetime of a relationship with God and his word. Children need a place to belong, an invitation to believe the gospel and a pathway to become disciples of Christ. So accept the challenge, confrontations and a call to a commitment await us, but I encourage you to model faithful service and see hope over chaos, potential over problems, opportunity over obstacles and treasure over trouble. And I just want to close with Frederick Douglass. He said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Thanks once again to Samuel for the time. Thank you for that wisdom and your leadership, Samuel. But also thank you for listening. I love getting the chance to talk to you every single week and share conversations that I'm having as part of my job with people like Samuel because I hope it equips, edifies, and inspires you as you live out what this rallying cry of resilient child discipleship looks like in your community. We haven't talked about this in a while, but you can actually leave a voicemail for the show. And I would love if you did. If you leave a voicemail at 630-289-5353. Again, that's 630-289-5353. In particular, I would love to hear about your favorite disciple maker. This could be someone who shared the gospel with you. This could be your spouse. This could be your favorite co-laborer in leading the children's ministry in your community. I want to hear about what God is up to in your community, in your context, 
and I appreciate you sharing that news with me. Thank you for doing your part to raise up the greatest generation of disciples this world has ever seen. I'll talk to you next week. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.